Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you.
key reason for that is if we want to follow Jesus, we need to understand that in this human sense, relying on the Father, and you know what the Father shows him to them, and walk in the power of the Spirit. Even though Jesus is God, he didn't fully use those while he was on earth, that we may be able to follow him. And so last week, Foster picked up about us uh, being citizens of this kingdom. And um, I was reading the week about C.S. Lewis, who wrote Narnia. And he said that the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going through, and the Apostle Sutherland started last week, was like reading it, was like being knocked flat on the face with a sledgehammer. Really hard, a devastating experience. Because it, it exposes the depth of our sin and often the shallowness of our commitments. Some days we commit more to God than others. But the pain inflicts isn't futile because it is meant to heal us, not destroy us. Because we are rescued by God's grace. And so Jesus comes to show what it is like to follow him. Uh, and uh, we have this beautiful um, Beatitudes that we read last week. And this is crucial. When I follow Jesus, we know we need to know what's important to him. But it also convicts us too because God's standards are so high is that it's really hard to follow. We could not do that by ourselves as disciples. So God's power is really present in the Spirit. So we just want to read this passage now. I'd like to invite Nick up just to read from Matthew 5, uh, 13 just to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus referred to a, a city on a hill, and Jesus, if there's anything, he was very practical in all the examples he was chosen, uh, showing. So I've got a few examples I'm going to show you this morning that might just help us. First of all, I just want to put up a, a picture of a town that was really elevated in a hill in the Galilee if the next slide goes. Reciate the next level. There. And this is a town called Sabat or Sabed. Uh, it's in the Galilee and it has a, a long history going back. Josephus, who was around just after the time of Jesus, records Sabat as being one of the five towns where 
that a light was lit once a month for a big festival so that people know, hey, this is happening now, this festival is about to start. So the, the uh, town was lit up at the top. And so when Jesus was speaking about uh, a town on a hill being a light, he was probably referring to that. And here on the next page, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, town that's well used today and uh, settled, uh, particularly home of Kabbalah, which is a particular form of Judaism, which is very mystical, uses secret knowledge, and um, uh, it's uh, so right up the top here where they all reside. We met a doctor when we were in Israel who didn't live in Samad, but he, um, he worked there, and he talked about uh, going there, it was really tough, and he asked people to pray for him, because he said there's a real spiritual darkness hanging over that town because they're really involved in all the mystical things up there. And so we began praying for him. It's ironic that the city here is supposed to shine light. He was reflecting. There was actually a spiritual darkness hanging over that. And so we were praying for him. And so Jesus using live, live examples. And Jesus also talks about salt. Yeah, got some salt here. What do we use salt for? There's a number of things we use it, but here we use it for seasoning, don't we? Uh, And put it on our food. Now imagine if salt tasted like uh, sand or grits. Would you want to put it on your chips? Wouldn't be very effective, would it? And so Jesus is saying we want to be effective. We need to reflect the flavour of who God is. And so he uses a very practical example and be used again in different ways as well. And then also Jesus says as well, you are the light of the world. Now in the Gospel of John there are seven I am statements. Jesus says I am. Do you know some of those statements? (coughs) I can hear a few. I am the light of the world, well done, it's up there. Well done, Foster, you're onto it. I am the bread of life, I am the vine, I am the, the door of the gates, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only one of those does Jesus actually apply to his followers, I am the light of the world. And so um, the others are partly reflecting his divineness follow those or emulate them. But the light of the world is an interesting one. Now I need a couple of volunteers. We're on charity, I'm sorry. You're in the front. William <laughs> just came back yesterday afternoon for a surprise visit. He's obviously worried about you being alone about Julia here. And so we know what this is, there's a torch. And so perhaps you want to hold the torch. Let's come around this side real and charity. You can hold this as a mirror. Uh, we know what this is. This is the earth. Okay, now I want uh, William to turn the torch. Now, assume this is the sun. The sun provides its energy. So, Will, just come around a bit here. Just shine the torch on the earth. There's the earth moving around. Okay, and you can see it as it moves around and get sunlight doing it. Now, charity, you come closer. And I wanted you to put this up here. And closer, and William, just turn your light up slightly so that it reflects on the mirror and then back on the earth. 
Uh, no, just just still here, but just just up slightly, Bill. So there. And so what we have on this side is we have sunlight on this side and moonlight on this side as as it goes around. Now, Charity, turn the mirror around the other side, right? Now, we can't see here, but I'm telling you, it's gone dark on this side. It's no longer shining. And so, um, thank you, Will, Chapter, you can put those down. Put you on the spot. And so, as we were doing that, the mirror had no energy source of its own, no power of its own. It was simply reflecting the energy coming from this light here. And that's what the moon does, doesn't it? It simply reflects the power of the sun back onto the earth. And we call that moonlight. Moonlight has no power in itself. It only reflects the power from another source. And that, in essence, is what God is like. He shines when we turn to him. Repentance, when we turn, up, turn from, from here, turning our backs on him, to turn to him. And then... His light shines on us, and we're called to reflect that to our world. So we're not the source of the light. And that's a pretty good thing too, we too much pressure on us. But God is the source. And all we need to do is to shine like a mirror. That's what Jesus is teaching, is that we should be visible and do that. And uh, I wonder if he was thinking of Psalm 34 when he was speaking of these things. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. For all who take refuge in him will be blessed. And so we're called to show what God is like. Show his flavor and his light. And again, these are things not from ourselves, but God working through us. And so we have the opportunity to shine our light our neighbours, our friends, at work, at home, with strangers. Now here is a um, first century uh, replica of a light at the time from, from the gallery. And you put oil in here, and then you lit the, um, lit the wick, and it just burned and burned. You had lots of these because the light didn't go very far. And so Jesus says you don't, you don't, you don't hide the light. And so what they did at night time, because they couldn't pick up a torch and turn the torch on if they needed to do something at, at, at night time, what did they do? They had a bowl with a hole at the top and just stick it on there. And then if they needed to get up during the night or anything, they could just lift it up. And Jesus warning us, don't leave your light like that so that no one can see it. So again, really practical expressions were called to shine our light into the darkness, like moonlight. And um, as Jesus talks about these things, he's saying we've got a role here in our society. How are we flavour to people? How do we shine the light of the good news to people around us? That's, that's what he's asking us to do. If you want to follow me, I want you to be a flavour. I want you to be light. That people living in darkness will know and so after he does this, Jesus um, then adds on that he, he don't think I've come to destroy the law, or well, the prophets have not come to destroy it, but to fulfill those commands. And um, he was talking about it a few weeks ago, that um, Jesus didn't come to end the law. He came to actually show 
what it was to live in a house. As the word became flesh, he put a tent on. He became a living example of how to follow God's commands. We have the wonder of creation around us, the sun and the earth, the atom being split. But if we want to understand God, we need to understand his character. And Jesus came to show us the character of God. Because he is God. And so he became that living example. And there are two ways just to, yeah, to, to think about that. I remember years ago, some of you older folks remember the old video cassette recorder. And uh, when you first got those, they came with lots of instructions. Uh, here, VHS operating instructions. And 26 pages here. How to tune the, the video into the TV. Lots of plugs going all over, wires going all over the place. How to fine-tune the signal too, so that you've got a good video picture, and very complicated trying to get, the, trying to record a program at a particular time, and it's been really precise on those things. I'm so glad for DVD players now. You just put one plug, don't you? you? Just plug it in, and that happens. And so some things in, in God's laws are complicated, and some are more straightforward. But Jesus comes to show us what that's like. Again, I remember I got it in 1990. Got a first stereo system. They had five components for you know, graphic equalizer, stereo, DVD, CD, DVD player, cassette player. And had so had just as many wires, I think, as we got in that sound desk at the back. And it took me most of the day to try and put it together. It was really exhausting because it was so complicated. Even though I had instructions in front of me, all the cables looked the same. And so Jesus comes to show us what it is like to follow him. It's great now with YouTube. I'm not sure about something. I just watch a, a video tutorial on YouTube. And I see someone doing it that I can follow. And that's what Jesus is doing. Giving us a living example of how to follow him. And the, the second story, I hope it makes sense as well, is that Jesus didn't want us to tell us, in theory, what to do. I think about the heart surgery. Here, if um, John... Was a, had a passion for heart surgery and he learned everything that was possible to know about heart surgery. He studied for years, got all the books out, attended lectures, uh, talked to people, but he never did an operation at all. He just knew everything there was to know about heart surgery. And uh, you needed a heart operation. And John pops up and says, Hey, you're going to be my first patient. How would you feel? Well, he might be able to do it, but he's unproven. I don't think we want to be his first one. We want him to have some experience first. And so Jesus comes to help to show us practically what it was like to follow him. Experience. And um, the word became flesh in order for us to do that. And so Jesus comes along and, and shows that. And he then breaks some misconceptions about the law that people would have that it hasn't finished. That he's come to show how it lived out. And he actually raises the bar for what it is to, to follow him. I think where there's more responsibility, there is more grace. And so one of the other things that would have struck is here, if you go to the next slide, here is the uh, Hebrew alphabet. alphabet. They have 22 root words and five plural ones. Well, when Jesus says, um, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of pen, or by any means, disappear from the law, this is the written word. Which letter do you think Jesus was speaking about would never disappear? 
Which one? Yeah, yeah, Ute. It is, yeah, that's right, Fox Water. You go, go to the next one. Slide there. Next slide. It's the smallest letter. And, and that letter there is like a Y sound. Can we go to the next slide? That's it. Um, it. It's a Y sound or an E sound. And so the name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. It starts with a Ute. So it says, not even the smallest letter will disappear until everything is complete. And so uh, they would have got that and understood, understood that. And so Jesus also showed he has authority because he's coming to show how to live out God's word. He changes something, you know. Well, who gave the law of Moses to Moses? It was God, wasn't it? And Jesus here is coming. Let's say, I am God because I'm changing some of the law, but it's not finished. And he does that. And so he's trying to give them clarity about how to live out the gospel message. And so I want to try something else different as well, because it's so important that we have clarity in the simple gospel message, because it affects how we live it out. And it's easy for us to forget things. And so I just want to do another little example. Hopefully this will work. Those in the back seats, you can move forward if you so desire. There we go, one second. That's a forgiving word for him. Doing. He thought it was being a bit difficult at first, but when we 
we talked through, he, he understood it. See, the world looks at our doing. It says, out of our doing, we identify who we are, our being, our state, our job, our role, by who we are. And then who we think we are reflects on who we think God is. And often we can make God in, in our own image, just holding a mirror up, we can see ourselves. And so it's really easy to do that. And you think the serpent in the Garden of Eden did that. He says to Adam and Eve, you want to be God? Do something. He says, he's an apple. Because he wants them to doubt that they were image bearers of God. And so he says, do something. Then you will be uh, you will be your own people. You will be able to decide your own thing, your own future. And then you can, you can be God in your own image. And um, it was a lie. But the world picks up on these things. It's that doing identifies who you are. Well, that's not what the gospel says. Because the gospel tells us that God is from everlasting. That he's our creator, that we've been made in the image of God. And out of that comes our doing. The world says start with doing. The gospel says our doing proceeds from who God is and who we are. And it's really important that we understand that. And so if we want to be able to live out and follow Jesus, we these kind of principles are just helpful to remind us each day. And so we want to think who is God. We think of a big word here, theology. And we think what has God done? He's created the world and everything in it. And also Christ came. So I call it Christology. The work of personal Christ is the biggest act that God has done for us in, in creation. And so what does that mean for us? Who are we? Well, this is our ecclesiology. Because this is well, it's a big word. It means it's a big word. It means people of God. It means that we are God's people there because it's proceeding out of who God is and what he has done. He sent Christ as well as created us. And that's our ecclesiology. And what do we do? We do works of, of, of faith coming from that. And that's the gospel order. And so if we understand who God is, he's our loving father, isn't he? Jesus is dressed as, as father. He's loving father. And who's Jesus? He's the perfect son. He comes to show us how to live out life. He's the perfect son. And who does that make us? We are loved. It's a loving father. And we are loved children. Children here. It's 
part of his assembly. And so we're called to love our enemies. Now, as I think of this cross here, is that we can easily forget that once we were all having a bad relationship with Jesus, we weren't in a good spot. But while we were God's enemies, He loved us. And God did something for us. He sent His Son to show us what it is like to love your enemies. And it's easy for us to forget things. And so when Paul talked about these things in his letters, he talks about us, you know, who, you know, who God is, what He's done. And for this to enable, He makes us new creations, doesn't He? And so Paul first talks in his letters about uh, who we are, and then what do we do? Because it proceeds of who we are. And that's, that's really is essential. Because the world looks at it this way. And we get it so wrong when we do it that way. And so, if we know that we've been forgiven, that transforms who we think we are. And if God forgave us so much, we're called to love our enemies. You know, people have enemies within churches and outside churches. I could give you a pep talk here and say, hey, just love one another. But it won't do a lot. But if we understand that God loved us when we were his enemies, he's calling us to do the same, to reflect who he is and what he's done for us. And so we're called to do works of faith, but also to love. And to love those who are difficult around us. Now that's not easy at times. But we've got to remember where we've come from and how much God has done for us. Because, if you remember the story of the, um, the, the uh, servant with the great debt, he had forgotten how much grace he had received from God and then abused a servant who owed him a small debt. Hey, we all owe God a debt. We're going to talk about in a few weeks. We can never repay and out of that gratitude and love for what God has done for us, we are called to love those, even those we struggle with, because of what God has done for us. And so the Pharisees got caught out here because they started thinking who they were came out of their doing. And so they got very particular on all their doing. They said, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they started adding laws to do this and do that. And they lost sight. And so Jesus is trying to tell them, he's given what Adam Davy does. Adam Davy says, trace, face, and replace wrong thinking. Because Satan wants us to exchange the truth with a lie. And so Adam Davy would say, you know, you know where, do your, where does your doing come from? It comes out of who you think you are. And then out of who you think you are, who do you think Christ is? And then who do you think God is? And when you start to trace back, you start to see... Have we got this right? Have I got wrong thinking? As the Pharisees did. They decided to emphasize not doing. And so for each of us, if we want to follow Jesus, it's got to proceed out of that relationship of who God is, what he's done for us, who that makes us, and what is he calling us to do and follow him. And so it's a really good example. When you think of reading, doing Bible studies, yeah, sometimes it's a really helpful way when you're reading a passage. Who's God in the passage of reading? Where does Christ fit into this? Because Jesus said, I am throughout the whole scriptures. Read the Old Testament, you're reading about me. And so we can see who Christ is. 
And then who are we in that passage? As Paul was speaking, what are we supposed to, what are we like in that salt and light? And then what do we do is our response out of that. And so this is a simple way. Jesus came to help us to follow him. And so we have a privilege here because we know what Jesus has done for us. He didn't just give us 10%. Didn't give us 15%. Hey, he didn't give us 51%. He didn't give us 80%. He didn't give us 90%. How much did he give? 100. He says, if you want to follow me, give me 100%. Because he will now bless us. We are now in God. And so that is his desire for us to follow him. We do this and make us gospel centered. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This Easter, as it's coming up, we're called to share this good news. What a privilege we have. And if we've got this right, it makes us a lot more confident in sharing it. So, our response now is we just don't have a time of worship now just to respond into what God has done for us. He gave us 100% of himself. And that is a, just a, so amazing. And he wants us to respond, not because we do stuff, but because I love him, because he loved us so, so much. We can live and repay him. And that's where our doing comes from. And if your heart's been changed by that, it makes our doing a lot easier. That's good news, and God is so patient with us and cares for us. So be encouraged that this week, that God is for that God is for us. Who can be against us? And so, who in your lives this week will be able to taste and see God is good through your lives? Be flavour to God, uh, to, to people around. Let your light shine on those around you in His power, in His strength, not your own. To, to, to welcome the worship team up. And we can just respond in worship now for what God has done for us. A hundred percent He gave us. Hallelujah.